Hi beautiful, this is Claire in the Art of Life podcast and I'm very excited to be sharing another episode on this sovereignty series just now which is such a hot topic and such a deep and wide topic and it's being broached by all these different professionals and experts in the field and folk who are really passionate about politics, paperwork, legalities, the law, natural law, common law, etc. And I want to bring a sacred feminine perspective to this whole discourse, which is often really lacking. The the really deep feminine stuff is almost is often in a very esoteric field, a very shamanic and undefined field and I want to try and blend these worlds and bridge these worlds where the feminine has been so ex- excluded from the conversation for so long that that weaving it back into the conversation really really demands a certain mastery of art of life and my own feeling and experience and life work has been in sovereignty and in feminine sovereignty, sovereignty as a woman in particular, I sense that a lot of the sovereignty that's being talked about in the larger realms, the realms of large audience and um, celebrity, are very much pushing towards reinventing patriarchy and representing new systems, which are actually the old systems with different clothes on. And it's really the same thing in terms of being dictated to, being told what to do and being guided into a system that somebody else has designed. And I think it's very hard for the masculine and the the patriarchal, um, even the most radical patriarchs, Um, there's things, there's certain aspects of life that they can't see because they are a man, a privileged white man, a man with money in the Western world with an audience and a bunch of people who are passively supporting him. And that's a very significant position of power to be in and influence to be in that keeps people in passivity and keeps them in power. And this might seem like a bit of a a digression, but this podcast that I want to speak to around um, birth and identity, these are very key issues because it all has to be unlocked to get back to what the truth of our sovereignty is all of it has to be unlocked unfortunately um and it's a really big work but at the same time from the feminine horizontal system uh, perspective we have access to conscious change moving into and towards our sovereignty at all times and even at birth we have had we had access to our sovereignty and to our conscious entry into the world we're we're always perhaps even from before birth we're always split into these two 
polemicised aspects of self, these two sides of self or two halves of self. <clears throat> I've talked in great detail in my previous podcasts about how this is done through keeping us in a state of fear and keeping us detached from our energetic body, detached from our soul. But once we comprehend the, the simple premise that there is a separation there, we can start to reconnect and reweave and re turn and regain our whole identity, our holistic identity. And, <clears throat> and that's what I'm going to speak to here. Um, and, th- and it has everything to do with how we've been separated into male and female and how that diminishment of the small male and the small female have been set against each other. Um, that has everything to do with what happens in the birth moment, in the labelling and certifica- certificating um, during the birth ceremony, which of course should be a beautiful, sacred, natural ceremony um, filled with bliss and joy and tears of transformation and sweat and blood and nature. But most of us in the last decades or a century have experienced some kind of very significant um, interference in that birth process and in that ceremony, in that natural, God-given, right birth, that perfect birth, which is not a medicalised thing at all. It has nothing to do with medicalisation. And there might be a couple of tools around like a a tub of hot water or some blankets or a a sacred knife, a sharp knife to cut the cord eventually. But there would not be any of this additional noise, talking, interference, surveillance, light, metal, um, bleach and so on. Like these, all these aspects that are introduced into our daily um, reality are also introduced into birth and the industrialized birth becomes this place where where there are are these very specific materials around us that that are sort of (laughs) anti-ceremonial, anti-shamanic, anti-spiritual, anti- wholeness like they're interrupting the wholeness of what is happening they're separating us from nature and therefore they're separating us from our nature and the the fact that we step or or splash or are yanked or pulled out of the womb into an atmosphere that is nothing it's like the antithesis of probably what we were expecting it's the antithesis of what was going on inside the womb and the very shock of that, the very unnaturalness of it, the the sharp sounds, the the bright light that's blinding us because everything's been very dark and red in there, the the presence of strangers, the the state of that the mother is in because it's very unlikely she's going to be in a state of natural bliss if she's in a hospital and being interfered with the immediate interference of touching of the baby by a complete stranger who 
is working within these very tight parameters of measuring, surveilling, labelling, limitation. They're not bringing the child in in a spiritual manner. They're bringing the child in to be measured, to be stamped, to be branded, to be cut. And those are the first things that happen to us. So again, this it might have been a shock coming into the physical 3D or the 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 material world as a spiritual being at our zygote and at our our entrance into from the divine into the physical divine but the the actual transition into the world it's everything that that begins our journey in these moments in these hours in these days that we might still be in the hospital with our mother the state of our mother the postnatal unfolding for herself of what's actually happened during the birth interference all of these things are very very methodically put into that that ceremony in place of the ceremony so that what comes out the child that comes out of that um sort of dark workshop of those days birthing in the hospital will be by default it, it can't be anything else other than completely separate, completely conditioned into desperate co-dependency with these two very distorted parents who thought they were doing the best for the child, thought that the hospital was the right place to give birth in, thought that it was the safest place to get birth in, birthed in, and so on. They the cradle that we're born into, this container that we're born into, the arms of our parents, the arms of the hospital, the arms of the paperwork, is something so removed from what our nature, what our nature required us to be um, cradled into, the, the alchemical vessel that we should have been born into, the magical home, the the bliss-filled arms of the parents the the beauty of soft light and fresh air coming into the home and the fragrance of flowers and trees outside we're probably in the middle of a city being born where the journey out of the city even if our parents do live in the country is going to be a really strenuous one um the average birth, the normal birth, is is one that is is removed physically, energetically, conceptually, mentally. It might seem that we're just this little grub that's unable to conceptualize anything at that age, but we are we are imprinted at that point and in those following points, in those unfolding moments, we are absolutely imprinted with exactly what is going on around us we're never more imprinted than in that moment when we first are released from the female body and we first feel the air and if it's not the fresh air if we're not being informed by nature if nature isn't giving us all this complex bio information and real air like living air with stuff in it you know living stuff in it if we're not getting that in the first moments and we're getting this sterility, this, all of these things build this identity around us. They build a very specific 
tension and quality of energy around our being in a way that if we were born into nature and with nature surrounding us, we would extend outwards into that nature and the nature would extend into us. And we would have this reciprocal, biodiverse language from the first moment of exiting our mother, from the very first sacred breath that was given by God, from the very first moment of feeling the air on our skin and absorbing everything that is in the air into our pores, from the releasing, the, the slow, slow absorption and release and rubbing off of the vernix caseosa, the greasy magical butter that is on our skin when we're born if we're in the hospital it's getting scrubbed off literally with a harsh sterilized fucking bleached scrubby thing and it's getting rubbed off our skin and our barriers are already broken down and we're already having artificial barriers put into us we're probably getting an injection of one or two or several things which are artificially probably doing the exact opposite of what they pertain to be doing, like the vitamin K, which if you do your research around vernix caseosa, you'll know that the vernix caseosa, that buttery shit that's on your skin when you're born, is is meant to be giving you vitamin K. Like, And there's no better way for you to absorb it. And it's not just a, a butter, vitamin K butter that we're, we're having on our skin that we're born with. It's a very specific alchemy of multiple multi-purpose, multi-healing, multi-supporting instrument of our spirit. And this, again, is, is so very, very... I'm, I'm clunking a little in talking about this because it's quite hard to for me to just verbalise the embodied truth of this that I know, I have not studied Vernix Cassiosa. I have not um, got a microscope or read a study about what's in Vernix Cassiosa. I know because I'm putting together a huge panoramic view of the world and lining it always, lining it up with my embodied wisdom. And I know that these things just make sense from all the anecdotes I've heard, from all the things I've read, from all the little snippets of science and, and even the pseudoscience that's been delivered to me. I know <clears throat> that what is in my wholeness of my knowledge guides me to comprehend what is being done, what's missing, what the nature of the thing is. And, and this works on, again, this is like, this is the pure nature of what we're meant to be, where we're supposed to be <clears throat> this living, breathing, knowing, conscious, like we are supposed to be consciousness. We're supposed to be the ness of conscious. We're supposed to be the essence of conscious. And <clears throat> the way we're methodically separated from it um, is a, a kind of efficient and yet ridiculous comedy kind of how would you <clears throat> separate a person from their spirit? Of course it can't be done. I mean, there's lo lots of attempts at it and there's lots of sort of half-arsed 
myriad small things that accumulate and give quite a good effort to keep us at least distracted with other things like wars and disease and cancer and bad marriages and contracts and bills and um, receipts and invoices and taxes. But it can only ever be a distraction. And as soon as one removes that external distraction and removes that external babble, the truth just falls in, flows in. We're, we're conditioned and designed, you know, this conditioning that happens at birth and then goes on through schooling and the workplace and so on. We're conditioned and designed to, like somebody has mastery over us, to, to make us believe that we are really these inept beings, that we are these um, terribly flawed physical diminishments of our sun-like universal co-creative divine self um, and it is convincing when one is absolutely um, invested in that diminishment invested in getting a wage or paying taxes or virtue signaling of being a good citizen or um, putting on a mask and taking a jib jab. There's a whole comfort and <clears throat> um, I talk about familiar discomfort a lot, you know, a well-documented fact that an abused animal will err towards the familiar discomfort of punishment in order to get food, you know, accepting pain or, or cutting or electrocution in order to get fed, even when there's a way of getting fed without it, because the familiar discomfort is somehow binding. It's the nature of bindingness. It's the nature of contraction. It binds it. it pulls something together it tightens something and it it tightens something within the self but it also tightens our relationship with things externally to us and that's a really important aspect of unraveling what sov sovereignty is <clears throat> in recognizing that instead of this harsh tense relationship with self and with everything we are actually meant to be and can have and flourish incredibly when we recognize that we're actually our relationships with all things is actually free and this again is living in gift living in freedom and sovereignty involves this huge letting go of all the contraction the huge letting go of seeking out labels and badges and certificates and licenses and permissions and the letting go of all that familiar discomfort, the letting go of all that paperwork, the letting go of all that need to identify with something written down in certain boxes 
with certain stamps and certain signatures of important authorities authoring our stories for us. This is like the... We can only really let go of all of that. We can only really release all of that familiar discomfort when when we start to get the inkling of the idea that actually instead of getting a crumb every day, we could get everything, that it, everything belongs to us and that we are of the world. We belong here and we are welcome here and we are being gifted incessantly, unceasingly, we are being gifted vast quantities of everything. <laughs> um, but again, part of moving into gift and moving into sovereignty is comprehending that a lot of people still live in the world as a persona, a, a person, a, a purse one, a, a lost one, and they're identifying with ways of transacting that involve them stealing from each other and manipulating each other and taking power from each other and one plus one equaling two for one person and zero for the other person or one giving to one away in order to get one this tightness and and um like the numerical restriction of all of this that how everything has to be about measuring and numbers and this has to equal that and it's all got to add up to zero, zero at the end or it's all got to add up to as much as I can steal or as much as I can manipulate from the world or as much as I can grasp and grab, as much as I can huddle away. Um, oh, <clears throat> comprehending how to relate to that when we know that it shouldn't be like that and that it doesn't have to be like that, that it can be so much more beautiful and pleasurable. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> That is a that is a, a difficult path to walk initially until we <clears throat> excuse me until we get this niche or our kingdom or queendom um and find a safe place where we can actually build up our energy and harvest what we need and get access to resources around us that are not hidden behind a paywall <clears throat> or <clears throat> that don't involve large amounts of money um, in order for us to acquire them and grasp them. Um, again, I, I talk about this, I often mention, but I have a whole website around this, which I've transmitted various teachings around how one transitions into gift, or at least how I've transitioned into gift, <clears throat> and how the, it explains in, in there, in livingingift.com, how we go from being in contraction and tightness and fighting for our life and and accepting crumbs into being in complete colorful flow with all things and having all things that we need come to us effortlessly and without our even asking for them often the the transition from one state into another isn't really like 
a journey in the conventional sense. It's not really like uh, um, going to a faraway destination. Uh, and again, this is this is a lot of how our identity of separation tells us that we have to find the treasure in a hidden place, that it's not just there for us to take. It's not already in us. It tells us that uh, we have to go on a, a special quest involving a, a guru or a guide and we have to pay them money to do that. Um, and it's often money that we don't have, that we're never going to go on that journey because we don't have the money. Um, <clears throat> it's the beautiful um, journey from here to here, <laughs> from from here to here. Um, if you're listening to this on the audio only podcast, I'm saying from my head to my belly or my heart, my stomach, my pelvis, my feet. Um, the journey from here to here is the most important journey we ever have to take. And it's the, it's the only journey that we can really take. Anything else that we're doing externally is usually involving the head trying to force itself into the world and us trying to force a kind of experience for ourselves and force a kind of result. But then we come back again to our origin or where or our home or our away from our holiday or mm, the yoga retreat finishes. And again, we're in this place where we haven't actually made the journey you know, the come down after the workshop or the come down after the, the beautiful, luxurious holiday and staying in a hotel and having someone else cook for us. Um, and uh, the, the real journey of into sovereignty, by definition, yes, it's, it's going to involve making these mental journeys and maybe a physical journey to go and speak to someone or hear someone speak, or it's going to involve um, making a trip to a, a post office or a um, passport office or a government office and talking face to face with officials or authorities. But but really, that the sovereignty um, the sovereign sovereignty that we are requesting from any external body, no matter who they are is ultimately is external authority. And I know that it's really hard to get one's head around the idea that we don't need authority or the idea that authority is by definition gets in the way of our sovereignty. But like just thinking about it, authority that the entitlement to author something by definition yes we could have um layers of authority or folk guiding or helping us who were more aligned with natural law and nature but even then if one is aligned with nature and natural law one by definition is the author the divine co-creator with god with divine creation, with divine intelligence, one is naturally the co-creator of one's moment, one's life, one's 
work, one's creative power, one's vitality, one's energy, and the need for an, an external author falls away quite quickly, quite gently when we step into that world. Um, and of course, this is a whole big other unravelling, a big discussion around how we identify with governments and how we allow the, the governments to identify us and um, put us into their categories and uh, files and certificates and so on. <laughs> it's a um it's going to take a while for the human collective to recognize that actually it doesn't need its mind to be governed um and it therefore it doesn't need a government um and also it doesn't need a hospital to heal itself or a doctor or pharmaceutical medicine to heal itself it actually can heal itself um, one's mind, body and spirit is here to do exactly that in fact so if we're not on that journey and in, in that ultimately going in that direction towards natural health, health sovereignty healing oneself <clears throat> then we're going in the wrong direction essentially and and everything that's external to us it's not it's not that we all have to be sitting around like little Buddhas on a little magical cushion, completely separate from everybody else. But the nature of our connectedness to self and what our real identity is and what our real, the, the, the magical wholeness of what we are, it, it simply doesn't need a lot of the crap that we accept and submit to as necessary or even obligatory um or even the law the legal um so and again the the falling away the process the healing the journey into sovereignty really is about um just watching witnessing the layers falling and rather than particularly slicing away a layer and pulling at it and effortfully letting it fall away. It's more like the sloughing of a skin, like a snake would do, or the shedding of hair that cats naturally do in the change of season, you know, the, the releasing of the winter coat. So, um, that is the hardest thing that we're taught that everything should be effortful, everything is scarce, that we're not welcome in the world and that our, our identity is something that we have to really strive also to expose in the world that we have to churn out photos and content and posts and strive for votes or or likes or clicks um that we have to create funnels and um you know, go around with the hat all the time, begging for a coin. 
this distraction and preoccupation with the external and with needing to interact in a striving way with the external you know, rather than talk about that and talk about what that is you know what would it be if we weren't doing that and just do that instead <laughs> which is what what my life choice has been from an early age to to presume authority myself presume um, sovereignty myself presume that I have a choice even when it the choice wasn't being presented to me but I absolutely knew that I had a choice because I I knew I, for some reason my divine will was engaged and I absolutely knew that um, I would choose freedom first you know even if it meant living without a wage or living without basic comforts at some points yeah that's happened eventually but the mastery like the the willingness to see discomfort as part of life and not sacrifice everything, including our identity and including our comfort and including our vitality and our beauty and our freedom just to gain a sort of like perverse stability of having shitloads of food in the supermarket and paying bills so that the electricity will keep flowing in our house and so on. Um, what if, what if everything was available to us without us having to strive for it? And even if we were paying an electricity bill here or filling our car with petrol there, if that was completely effortless without us having to check our bank balance and, oh, shit, my last 20 euros, or worry whether or not the direct debit was going to go through and worrying about what the conse consequences would be if it didn't go through. Um, you know, feeling the weight of a phone call from the electricity company asking us a question about our electricity supply and immediately contracting, feeling the fear of that, feeling the fear of their authority to intrude in our lives and to ask us questions and to um, demand answers and demand that we fill in forms. Um, you know, what what is it like to not live with that weight on our shoulders and in our every moment and clawing at our seconds and our minutes? Um, Aside from the obvious, it's really nice. <laughs> um, it's also uh, essentially a gateway into a very different rhythm and um, both a, a rhythm and a pace of life, but also a, a quality of connectedness with all things and to me, to sum it up, it's a, it's like getting oneself on a canal of light towards light. That the the true sovereignty is like it's not like we can just return to source and become mystical beings like that overnight or even in a course of decades, 
But what we can do is orientate ourselves towards the light and keep moving in that direction and and keep moving and keep energetically moving. And again, I, I'm describing like as if it's a physical journey, as if like I'm going towards the sun or going back to source, which is up in the sky somewhere. But really, I'm I'm talking about aligning with self, aligning with core, with center and aligning with the universe that is within the self and aligning with the light that is already within the self that has been locked in somewhere. And again, even you, I don't like you to use that phrase locked in because it isn't really locked in. It's not like it's closed with some sort of contraption and the key somewhere else. It's simply there all the time. It's there inside us all the time. And all we have to do to access light, to access the purity of truth, to access natural law, is breathe in, is know by looking within, is contemplation, is rumination, is letting go of the layers, letting them fall away. It's not, it's not grasping at something, it's not reading books. It's always just observing within self in all times which is I think that's kind of naturally what we want to do most of us have got some kind of a um in in instinctive <clears throat> or default uh, naturally default practice of meditation within ourselves in each moment in private moments in times when we're not completely distracted and we might have been conditioned to think of that as neuroses or we might be conditioned to think of that as um a symptom or something negative but I know myself that as long as I'm listening and listening within and even listening to my own babble that's streaming from my head I'm I am ultimately bringing everything together into oneness and and it, that has got to do with the quality of my attention and my intention but we all have an, a unique path. We all have a unique way to go to get back to self. And, and I know <clears throat> that my instinctual, um, the more I make space for my instinctual self to, to naturally do what it wants to do, to babble away here, to let go express itself there, to paint, to make primal marks, to express itself emotionally with my partner or family or neighbours or community, um, the identity starts to become more fluid, more living, more alive, more vital, more vibrant. And if I'm going to measure or surveil myself or check boxes then I'm going to refer to that that aliveness and the aliveness itself like it can't really can't be measured in the conventional self sense but I do check it when folk in the street tell me like oh how come you're looking so young these days or how come you got you're so happy or how come you're so full of energy or or similar um the fact that people comment on it is is significant to me that you know I don't always feel vibrantly alive and um full of beans and <laughs> and jumping about the place with energetically or or um 
athletically. But I do know that for my age, I have a good level of energy and um, I love to share that and I love to share how I came to that. And the fact that folk are giving me feedback there and it's very positive and, and it sounds like um, they're able to register something, observe something and it, it has an impact on them. That is very significant. You know, I don't need to go and measure my whatever people measure nowadays. I don't know, cholesterol level, number of cells on my cervix that are abnormal or not abnormal. I don't need to measure my my heart rate or my, you know, those things that people measure to decide whether they're healthy if they go for a health checkup. Um, I know by my interaction with other folk and not just other folk, but things like my relationship with my animals, my cats, like my relationship with how well the kittens are growing up, these kittens that, that I have in my house just now. It's very quiet, in fact. I'm in the room where the next to the studio where the kittens actually are, and it's amazing how they've gone for a nap and they're just silence. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, but I, again, this is like the difference between... Um, the what's becoming a mainstream idea about sovereignty and about paperwork and about declaring our identity um, into the system in an external way my sense and this is actually the sense that I like many many folk that I'm talking with who are taking a more private and to me sovereign path and um, we're not creating a PMA we're not creating an external structure because it's not the time for that and we're not called to it and when it is the time for that or if it is the time for that we will be called to it but we are coming to a sense of our identity through the every moment through exactly what's happening around us and we know that the fact of putting something down on paper and making a declaration in order that one can be both homogenized and identified as an, as an individual number or code within a system, within a bigger concept of what reality is, um, we're recognizing that that has to be drawn, has to be written, has to have a, a an essence of a handprint, a footprint, a thumbprint, a toeprint, the iris some some kind of unique aspect of self that can't easily be referred to inserted into a pigeonhole but equally it has to be like alive living and open-ended rather than I began at my date of birth supposedly and then uh, you know I'm ending in my death certificate the the license begins now and it, it has a scadenza a um valid until date the the nature of my id that I am currently creating and that is coming into being in a very dynamic um a very organic dynamic very very slow and deeply felt alignment with 
re-identifying my name, rewriting my documents, creating uh, something I can carry in my hand or my bag, my pocket, and say, this is a form of identity that is a living identification form that says who I am as an individual, but it doesn't limit me in any way. It doesn't tell me that I can only do this or that I need permission to do that or that I need to ask your permission from this guy blocking the street that <laughs> um, that whether or not I can pass. Um, and yeah, there's a whole a whole art to that in the same way that there's an art in the every moment to express ourselves in health and lifefulness in the world. There's also an art to being able to identify, and again, the word identify can be taken apart and it's a very dubious word to be using. It's really a, a, like the homogenizing of of folk and the fitting of folk into little slots um, and into numbers and codes, like the, the dehumanizing of folk. The, my way of identifying myself in that kind of a way, like presenting a card or a certificate, really has to come from an, an actual embodied sense of who I am and my nature as a divine being and where my actual origin was, which wasn't at my birth. I didn't suddenly appear at my birth <laughs> magically as if sprung from the loins of Zeus. But I, I know where I was before I was in my mother's womb for a good old amount of time. And that was a very transformational experience. And I know that I came in at the zygote. I know that I know that I co-created the zygote with my mother and my father and divine co-creative intelligence I know that for a fact because I know it in my body and I know it in my intelligence I know it in my spirit I thrum with that knowing I'm alive and alight with that knowing and I'm light with it as well it's it's an easy thing to carry it's not heavy like the weight of paperwork and birth certificates and marriage certificates and contracts and bills um, I don't carry them anymore I don't take the weight on of them I don't take the presumption or the submission into them I'm standing instead in my my living identity which is me now here I I am I'm not the projection of something onto me I'm not the projection of anything onto me if it's limiting me I'm only the expression of something that's coming from the inside out I'm not something that is coming from the outside down and being pressed onto me that's I don't accept that I don't accept that as right or um I certainly don't submit to it if someone comes along and, and tries to use physical force or a very strong oppressive um insistence persistence then I will use my power to both stand up to that and face that and argue my way out of it or convince them that, that what they're doing is wrong and that what I am standing in is right but you know if I do have some unfortunate which I don't such a again just to digress a little around this the presumption that 
somebody would have the authority or even the energetic need to oppress me in some way like that that is a lot to do with my energy too it's a lot to do with what I feel that I have to confront in life or what I feel is allowed to come into my space or what I expose myself to and um yeah that's another big long discussion but um the very few confrontations I have had I've kind of known that I had to have them to recognize that I don't need to do things like that and I don't need to be having an argument with a carabinieri or getting somebody harassed in a post office or um arguing with somebody in a in a passport office or a, a an airplane station what they called airport <laughs> um but again that's a that's a a really radical choice around no longer participating in those things that a lot of people think are really necessary like traveling in a conventional sense or um having access to a post office <laughs> or such like um and yeah these things can, might sound complicated and they might sound like they're very um challenging or or almost impossible things to do because like how could I live without the post office or how could I live without a bank but again all of these things naturally fall into place with each step that we take towards sovereignty and towards our true identity and towards the light and I'll probably share my some of what I'm writing in terms of writing to change my name writing to um identify myself in a carryable a portable thing piece of paper laminated thing um the 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 energy behind this to me in my comprehension of how this all works um in my embodied wisdom in my knowledge of spirit and truth and natural law I know that the open-endedness of this living certification that can change at any time as I am informed or take on a new form or get closer to the light or talk to God more directly, I know that, that has to, there has to be a caveat there. There has to be a condition there that says I reserve my rights to change and grow. I reserve my light right to learn and to change how I identify as I learn um, anything that is government identified or system identified is telling you that you are a thing and because you are a thing you're limited whereas I don't necessarily want a passport that tells me that I have to ask permission to go through a, a, a border and talk to people at a border if I want to move around in the world which I don't particularly feel I want to do just now because I won't be doing it in the way I did it before, going through an airport or a, a seaport or the like. If I want to move around in the world, it's very likely I'll be doing it under my own steam and I'll be going my own way across waters and across rivers and across mountains and so on. You know, I might be using my car. I do own a car. I might be travelling around by car, but it's 
entirely possible that I'll park near a small port and make friends with a fisherman and ask him if he wouldn't mind dropping me over on the other side of the water. Or I will find an alternative way. I'll find friends who've got friends who've got a boat. Or I'll I'll find a network of folk who also believe in sovereignty and believe in travel and believe in free movement. And I will find a connection through them to find movement to cross water or travel a long distance or go through a, a border in some way. I wouldn't I wouldn't give my authority or give authority to an organization at a border who believe that there should be a line drawn there. And that's just something that's that's very very simply and naturally just what's right. I'm not being a radical anarchist like sneaking in and out of countries. <laughs> or breaking the law but what I am doing is just getting closer and closer to light and truth and the truth of my identity which is that there is no impediment to my movement there is no impediment to my vitality in the same way that there's there's no impediment to my energetic energy and light moving through my body there's also no impediment to me in the physical world out externally to my body because essentially there is a oneness to what we are collectively. There's a oneness to what we are as Gaia Sophia. And that isn't and there's a oneness to what we are as a universe. So the separation and the putting of boundaries between these separations, the putting of permissions, certificates, licenses, um, passports and certificates between these physical spaces and between the the concepts of this corporate country versus that corporate country these all of these things come down to <clears throat> the fullness of my presence in each moment will unfold an experience the the diminished presence that i have will allow me to the convenience <laughs> of going through a conventional passport office, blah, 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 aeroplane, airport, and landing in another country in a few hours. Um, but again, that doesn't feel convenient to me. That doesn't feel like that would be a pleasureful or right journey for me to make just now. And it might be a convenient and, and quotes, necessary or perceived necessary way for me to use and in the future in some way I, I'm not going to discount anything at the same time I recognize that the the very nature of what my essence is and what my identity is is not going to play that game anymore and it's not going to give away my right to move in a natural and comfortable and pleasureful way in the world it's I don't want to make that contract and that exchange of having to identify with this, this and this and take accept these restrictions and even take a test or a jab in order to get on a perceived efficient aeroplane service to you know, which costs very little money to get me to another country to like yeah, questioning my identity has everything to do with the, the speed that I'm doing the speed that I travel at, um, the 
the the need to go and visit family or go and visit where I come from, where I come from, um, or the yeah the the necessity to cram things into certain time periods. Um, you know, maybe one day when I go back to Scotland or go back to my island that I grew up on, maybe I will, maybe I'll walk there, maybe I'll cycle there, maybe I'll uh, work my way up there really slowly. Maybe I'll never go back ever because I've got animals and plants and things that can't be left. Um, maybe I'll want to always be rooted in one place, and. I feel that one of the really beautiful things about identifying with what we really are is recognising that I will do whatever I have to do in each moment and it will unfold beautifully. It will unfold in sacred geometry. It won't be something forced or something in which I have to make a massive sac sacrifice of my freedom, my comfort, my vitality, my energy, my ethics, my truth in order to get on a plane and go to another country in a rush to see my family in a rush when I'm all ungrounded and sweaty and, and not well because I've been in, in a box where lots of people who've been jib-jabbed in the air absorbing the same oxygen that they've been breathing, shared molecules and all that stuff. You know, it's it's very possible. Um, I was... I've been sharing on a on the decentralized platform hive.blog. You can find me there at Claire Artista, Claire without an I, always Artista. Um, I've been sharing, I've been documenting a book uh, which is called A Journey from Here to Here, which is actually very relevant to all of this. And in a way, you know, that's kind of like a document that I could carry around because it's these pages of truth, of drawings, of sketches and thoughts written in stream of consciousness thoughts and lines and marks and it's the documentation of a journey to Slovenia and back again and from Scotland and going on a really slow way everybody else was using EasyJet or whatever and I just wanted to go at the right pace for me which was bicycle and train I even got on some fast trains somewhere and ferry and you know the the beauty of arriving in a place like being all self-contained and having a vehicle to carry with you a bicycle that can be hung up on a train or put to the side on a train and um arriving in amount of time I think it was like three and a half days or something well it was three and a half days to get from Scotland to Italy so it was something like that, it was some amount of days, um, several overnights, and just arriving really um, like in myself, not arriving out of myself in a rush and fried from being on a plane and filled up with other people's air and horrible stuff that gets churned around inside planes nowadays, um, overstimulated, uh, probably arriving at the wrong time of day, either at one end or the other, <laughs> and having to... Um, hang around waiting for the first train in the morning or um, staying overnight, midnight in, in air at a B&B &B to, 
<laughs> before I can get a ferry to the island to see my family. So the book was a, about a very specific journey I took and I took that journey at that time because ethically that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do a, a cheap airline journey. I wanted to be, relatively speaking, more ecological in how I was travelling. And I also just had this sense of travelling, like taking myself with me and using the journey itself as a workspace. So I was carrying these pages, these big tracing paper pages rolled up in a roll and just doing one drawing on top of another on top of another. And there was something about the, the catharsis of that was really important to me at the time because I'd been through several very, very difficult losses and I was grieving for the loss of my mum, my gran, my cousin, my granddad, a child that I'd been carrying and a partner that I'd been with when I was carrying that child, that everything broke down and my various relatives died in a period, succession of years that was, um, that made it difficult to really digest one of the deaths and, and then they all accumulated and along with the miscarriage it was uh, yeah, I was digesting a lot whilst I was working, whilst I was travelling. And the thing that was really important about that is that I was I was giving myself the time and space to deal with that, whereas if I'd got on a plane and rushed and got my passport stamped and got to the other end really quickly, but then still had to travel from the airport, etc., etc., having to go into city centres, having to wait in a big busy space of an airport, I would be in a very different state and there wouldn't have been that time, space, distance covered in a way that you can actually see what's going by before getting to the destination. The act of actual, like moving slowly, moving, like actually keeping my energy with me as I was moving rather than going way up into the sky really fast in a metal box and then arriving really fast at the other side but completely fried and having left part of oneself at home on dry land on the other end like uh, um the the act of um sort of more more autonomous spontaneous travel where i decided at each each city or each train station where to go next and allowed myself to be guided by my energy rather than having the journey dictated to me. I mean, these might seem like, that might seem a bit eccentric or a bit um, unnecessarily laborious, like when I drove from Scotland to Italy when I moved here and when I drove back to Scotland to pick up my paintings and then drove back here again. Um, it might seem laborious, and but, but one of the things about travelling, which is very symbolic of the journey towards true our true identity and sovereignty it is it's a very different thing being able to watch the world go by rather than flying up into the air and flying back down again at a really high speed um it, it's really interesting to be traveling along the ground over the top of the sea through mountains along the side of rivers it's an amazing thing to see the scale which we don't see when we're when we're up high in an airplane, like we just get this 
it's all going by. It's just like we might recognise what country we're flying over. We might recognise, oh, that's a lake or a mountain or the coast of France or Italy. But actually travelling across the surface of the earth is a very different way of travelling and being able to make decisions along the way about about where you feel you might want to stop, where you feel you might want to go, where you feel you might want to make a change or a sp spontaneous detour, that's a completely different kind of journey, completely different kind of journey. And it allows this unfolding of whatever, like what do I need in each moment rather than just, well, like when is the meal going to get wheeled up the aisle on the plane or, um, you know, never mind the whole discussion about crappy food on planes or the cost of it and so on. But the fact that, um, again, the sovereignty, the autonomy of making a journey and having an organic element to it rather than it being completely separated and completely um, um, artificial, that's, that's very significant. And that is metaphorical of the journey towards our true identity and the journey towards our sovereignty, which is our true identity. Our true identity is sovereignty. Any identity that isn't truly us, any identity on paper that isn't truly us or isn't a, an open reflection of what we are or an open representation or, or my free will choice of how to identify myself, which is intelligent, informed, embodied, truthful, aligned with natural law, aligned with ethics, aligned with my own freedoms, aligned, aligned with my own rights that I'm not giving away. I'm not giving away in a passport or a birth certificate or whatever. Um, anything that isn't that true identity will be like a parody of it, a cartoon of it, a, a greatly diminished thing. And that, that greatly diminished thing allows a system and authority <coughs> an external body that isn't us to keep us smaller and keep us being that which we're not and that ultimately is what's so important about this so the journey from here to here the journey to sovereignty isn't really anything other than us just being ourselves all the time and becoming more ourselves by being ourselves so, like, we do make a journey from birth to adulthood. It is like a, it's like a linear journey, but it's also just an accumulation of beingness that is each, us in each moment, moving into the next moment and moving from that moment into the next moment. And even that could be questioned that it might not be the only way to perceive time. So, yeah, to to release the end of this spontaneous um, sharing, I love that there are so many diverse voices talking about sovereignty just now and talking about the birth certificate, the correcting of paperwork and so on. And at the same time, again, I, I do think it needs this really beautiful interweaving and beautiful um, co-creation that it's not about going back to 
correct something. It's not about taking what has been forced on us and wriggling into it in a different way and making it, you know, changing our signature only. Um, it's really about what are we all collectively co-creating right now and where do we ultimately, what direction are we ultimately going in? Because there's a lot of talk that I feel personally from what I know and what I'm experiencing in my life and what I fully embodiedly um, am here, I know that a lot of these, um, you know, like pulling away from the mainstream, taking a detour and changing paperwork or or claiming something or asking for a government for something it really might just be doing a u-turn back to another iteration of of slightly different colored but the same kind of thing which is submitting to an authority and anything any aspect of paperwork or documentation or even identifying that isn't coming into pure consciousness that isn't coming into the truth of natural law that isn't actually making us feel like there's more light flowing through our being there I think it has to be questioned I think we need to keep asking questions if that's what we're getting to you know if we're if we're not accessing free energy inside of ourselves then there's something that we're still clinging to that is a familiar discomfort that is not going to let us go until we let go of it. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> so um, a couple of things, if you work with me and if you come to my sessions, my co-creation sessions, I'm thinking to slow down with them during the hot summer months of August. Um, I'll probably still do a couple of sessions until then but I might do actually have a break in August or just do one session a week rather than the two sessions on the Wednesdays these co-creations collaborative um creating side-by-side -side sessions that we do every Wednesday at 11 a.m and 4 p.m Rome time um contact me directly through my website womenartsex.com if you want to get signed up for that just go to the connect or contact page and send me a wee message and give me your email and I'll put that on the list. Um, and I'm going to be sharing on my Patreon. Patreon is mostly the best place to keep in touch with me because that's where I share like the crux of what I'm doing and the more important sharings and I, I sometimes do private sharings just for my Patreon, beautiful Patreon folk. And also the hive.blog is another place that I really encourage folk who are on mainstream social media to move over over to a place where you actually get rewarded in tangible like coin for you get gifted for sharing rather than um your energy being stolen from you and you being distracted by jumble and jibber jabber and um advertising and so on so i really highly recommend the hive.blog if you want to be in a social media space where there's folk like us <laughs> And you actually want to be paid for your time. Um, so, yeah, um, if you would like a one-on-one -on -one session with me, if you'd like to deepen this conversation, just contact me. 
Um, if you join up on Patreon, I'll be sending you my personal contact details rather than you just contacting me via my website. Um, and if you're on Signal app, that's an app that I use, which is supposedly safe and uncensored and um, doesn't sell your data or steal your data or anything like that. I'm on Signal app, so get in touch with me there if you'd like to continue the conversation. Um, I welcome co-creative interweaving. I also do mentoring and I'm very happy to mentor individually, privately. Um, I live in gifts, so if you want to support my work, do come and join me on Patreon or send me a tip on Hive. Or there are various other ways. If you look at my gifting page on my website, you can see where to support my work. That is always hugely welcome. I'm always living on a, a relatively small wage I don't really think about the amount of money I earn I just check it every now and again and it's like there's numbers there and then I use the numbers to <laughs> pull some notes out of a machine and spend them in a shop Um, so if you would like to contribute to that and let me have some more notes to spend in a shop when I, for the few things that I have to buy which is actually very little Um, I would love that and it would help me to develop my work to do more of this and also I'm, I'm talking to you from this beautiful guest bedroom and this guest bed that I've just put a beautiful railing on the side of I'm really excited about that Um, it will support me to give free art holidays here in beautiful medieval quarter of Guardia San Fremonti in the art house in Italy and um, you might be the recipient the recipient recipient Oh, I can't even remember the word for that. You might get one of those holidays. <laughs> Recipient. Um, so, yeah, get in touch if you'd like to be part of this living conversation. And um, I'd love your support. I'd love to do more of what I'm doing. I'll do it anyway, whether I'm paid or not. Um, but it really helps when I do get some, some money in that I can, I can invest in things like the care of the house, take care of my cats, get a mother cat sterilised before she makes more and more kittens and um, generally keep the house well and keep a garden growing. Mm. Blessings to you. Blessings on your sovereignty, on your health, on your vitality and your light, your free energy flowing through you. Blessings on your organic journey and on the divine manifestation of your soul path in this life. I love you. Ciao.